The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. Property taxes and your wallet. The top leaders at the Capitol want to help you out, but they have differing ideas on how to do it. This is meaningful real relief. That would be a disaster and undo everything we've done. We're breaking down the proposals to dramatically limit property appraisals and what that could mean, good and bad. Backlash over a bill to limit land sales to Chinese citizens. We talked to the senator behind the legislation about what she's changing after concerns that the bill unfairly targets immigrants. Two Texas Republicans clashing over how to pass a border and immigration bill, what's causing the divide, and how it's affecting the search for solutions at the border. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award winning State of Texas. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Monica Madden. I'm Ryan Chandler. Josh Hinkle's out this week on assignment. We start with new developments in one of the top priorities for state leaders. There are now two different proposals at the state capitol aiming to cut your property taxes. The top Republicans agree that this should be the first order of business, but they're already butting heads about exactly how to get that done. And their different ideas could have a big impact on your tax bill. This is meaningful real relief. House Republicans unveiling their proposal to cut property taxes. House Bill 2 would limit your home's appraisal value to 5% growth every year, down from the current 10% cap. It would also cut school districts' maximum tax rates by 15 cents and extend the appraisal caps to every property, not just homesteads. The largest property tax cut in the history of the state of Texas without argument. But the arguments came quickly. That would be a disaster and undo everything we've done that has brought this property tax relief. And we're going to do even more. Speaker Phelan's plan faces a steep climb in the Senate. All 31 senators support a different idea. They want to allow you to exempt $70,000 of your home's value from your property taxes. The bill's author estimates that will save the average homeowner $341 per year. See, if you address just one portion of your tax bill, just that, well, we're going to control the value. Right. It doesn't change the fact that, that the tax rates will go through the roof and that your bill will go through the roof. The House plan is certainly more controversial. While many will like the additional uh, tax rate cut that it provides, appraisal caps are going to be a problem for many in the taxpayer community. House Democrats say they would also prefer the Senate's plan, but would also focus on investing in other priorities, like education and health care first. It's not that Democrats are against tax cuts. Democrats pay taxes too. But Democrats want to fund the essential functions of government. If we're not doing that, then what are we doing up here? One interesting note, you heard Dan Patrick there say that he's now opposed to capping appraisal values at 5%, but that used to be one of his top priorities. In fact, he campaigned on lowering the appraisal cap to 3% when he first ran for the state Senate in 2007. And while state leaders have property taxes at or at least near the top of their priority list, new polling shows that they that may not be the case for many Texan voters. Yeah, that's right. The Texas Politics Project at the University of Texas asked registered voters what they think should be the legislature's top priority. Immigration and border security topped the list by far, followed by inflation, gun safety, the economy, and education. 
4% of voters listed property taxes as their top priority, tied with health care and the electric grid on the list of important priorities for those voters. The poll also asked how the state taxes are impacting their personal finances, and almost half of Texas voters said that property taxes have the greatest effect on their finances. That is far ahead of the impact of sales taxes and the tax on gasoline that they felt. Governor Abbott's reiterating his support for a school choice program, and he's pushing back on critics who argue it could take money from public schools. He addressed legislators and activists Wednesday at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. That's an influential conservative organization. The governor said there that Texas should focus on funding education savings accounts, which would include using state money to subsidize private school tuition. Opponents say that that could take money and resources from public schools, but the governor addressed the criticism comparing the concerns to those previously raised over charter schools. That exact same argument was used 20 years ago as Texas began the charter school program process. We now have more than 350,000 students in charter schools across the state of Texas. Not a single Texas school has closed or been defunded because of charter schools. The governor said his goal is to make Texas public schools rank first in the United States. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick also says giving parents the right to choose where their children attend school is one of his top priorities this session. And he says he's prepared to take that fight beyond the regular session. Those parents deserve that parental right to make that choice for their child. And we should not leave here this year until we pass school choice. I don't care how many special sessions it takes. Patrick listed school choice as number eight of his top 30 priorities this session. It could be a solution for our doctor shortage, but we discover challenges with a system allowing some out-of-state physicians to practice in Texas. Who can actually own part of the Lone Star State? A new bill to limit foreign land sales faces backlash. We talked to the senator behind the legislation about changes to keep immigrants from being unfairly targeted. And dueling efforts to handle the increase in asylum seekers at the Texas-Mexico border. How a new fight in Congress over responsibility has migrants caught in the middle. A bill that aims to restrict Texas land sales to citizens from China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran drew a crowd to the Capitol on Thursday. More than 100 people testified at a hearing in the Senate chamber. Most who testified spoke against the bill. That included Mr. Wei Li. He came to the United States in 2006 and now works as a college professor. On March 22nd, 2023, that's three weeks from today, I will be finally eligible to apply for U.S. citizens. This will be 17 years after I moved to the U.S. Long journey, but deep down I know I'm already a Texan long while ago. I can cook perfect moist brisket. I even understand how to use bless your heart properly. But SB 147 and SB 711 are a slap on my face. It scoffs at me. Sorry, you're not Texan. People like you will not even deserve to own a home. Critics say the language of SB 147 could impact immigrants trying to own a piece of land for their own house as they await their citizenship. Now the senator behind the bill is making changes after hearing those concerns. Senator Lois Colcourse is joining us now. Senator, thank you so much for being here. You heard the professor's testimony and similar concerns brought up during that Thursday hearing. How did that affect your position and uh, even some changes that you made to the bill? 
Well, I want to thank him for coming and testifying him. And of course, welcome to Texas. And we are so glad you are here. And so Senate Bill 147, with its revisions, allow anyone uh, to buy a home and, and to to declare that their homestead. And so uh, we've made changes and that's the beautiful thing about America and Texas is that we come together and we discuss those freedom of speech, being able to testify on a bill. And so I'm so glad that he was here. And, and certainly uh, we are not gonna take away the dream of owning your own home in Texas. The goal behind Senate Bill 147 is national security because of the role that Texas plays in national security with all of our military bases and, and, and strategic you know, refineries and different things that we have here. You know, Senator, one of the justifications that you gave to, to the committee this week is reciprocity in our foreign policy, right? The idea that if other countries don't allow Americans to buy land in their country, then uh, they don't get to buy land in our country. Uh, there is a long list of countries that in, in one way or another limit how Americans can buy land. It's not just these four countries. Why does the bill specifically address the four countries of China, Iran, Russia, and North Korea? Oh, that's a, a great question, Ryan, uh, and I think it's been lost in the the, the entire discussion. Um, the National Threat Assessment uh, by uh, President Joe Biden's director actually lists these four countries as the greatest threat to the United States. And so that is why uh, these four countries, these specific four countries were named. Uh, and if you look at a bill that we passed last session, Senate Bill 2116, named these same four countries that no citizen or company or entity can work or uh, be a part of any contract that uh, is for our critical infrastructure. That bill passed unanimously in both the Texas House and Senate. And so this is building off of that bill, but also to address the concerns that you're seeing across our nation. Uh, you've seen North Dakota, several other states taking action, Florida, Virginia most recently in protecting land holdings against what we would say are truly hostile governments to our nation. And so again, this is about national security. It comes off of the threat assessment uh, that was produced in FY 2022. And you look back, even Congress, um, a Democrat held uh, uh, House, uh, House of Representatives passed a bill naming these four countries uh, in the ag uh, bill that was then went to the Senate. The Senate took it out, but that was for fiscal year 2022. So this, these are the four countries that are recurring in almost every bill that you see being filed across our nation. How do you respond to, to the critics who worry that people who are in the process of trying to become somebody who would be exempt from this bill um, and, and in that time cannot buy a home or, or lay that uh, base for their families. So Ryan, I'm very sympathetic about that. And that's why I made another change to the bill that said that you can buy a home. Uh, you do not have to be a legal permanent resident or a citizen. Uh, anyone can buy a home and homestead that. And so that's why, um, you know, listening to people, we've met with so many people uh, in their concerns. That's why we changed the bill uh, so that everyone can come here. They're fleeing these hostile, they have, 
absolute motive to flee these hostile governments and, and their nations to come here and to be able to buy a home as they wait and go through the process. And why does it take so long to become a legal permanent resident is, you know, there's a vetting process that our nation goes through. Uh, you can't just come here and become a citizen. You can't just come here and be a legal permanent resident. And so uh, in the meantime, you're still allowed through under Senate Bill 147 to buy your home. All right. Well, Senator, thank you so much for, for coming on and answering those questions. Thank, thank you all for having me here today. Getting your license through the compact doesn't change what the standard of care is in Texas. The state is responding to our investigation into a system meant to help ease the doctor shortage in Texas, how telehealth plays a part, and the challenges we discovered with speeding up the licensing process for out-of-state applicants. This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to ShelfGenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach. The COVID-19 pandemic forced many of us to use telemedicine. It also highlighted physician shortages across the states. But now, a new state law is helping fill that gap by allowing out-of-state doctors to practice in Texas. We partnered with our sister station in Arkansas to take a closer look at this nationwide agreement. Texas is now one of 37 states to join the Interstate Medical Licensure Compact. It expedites medical licenses, making it easier for doctors that are licensed in other states to treat you right here in Texas. Our doctors can now also more easily get licenses in other states in the compact. That law went into effect in 2021, but applications weren't accepted until last year. Investigator Arzo Dost looks at this solution designed to help with our health care shortages, but it's one that still has some challenges in the Lone Star State. I'm seeing people in the comfort of their homes. They're not having to wait. They just jump onto a Zoom, just like we are right now. This is Dr. Nikki Davis. She's based in Utah, but can now treat patients right here in Texas. We have a lot of patients in Texas who are looking for this kind of medicine, these kind of doctors who are there to help walk them through making lifestyle changes to feel better, lose weight, get off medications. She's board certified in both family and lifestyle medicine and part of the team at Plan-Based Telehealth, which started during the pandemic. What kind of things are you treating? I would say that for the most part, it's chronic disease. And chronic disease is really disease that is from lifestyle, so poor lifestyle choices. Davis is one of more than 1,300 doctors licensed in Texas since March of last year through the Interstate Medical Licensure Compact. It has made it much easier for physicians to become licensed in Texas, and so it, it does lower the kind of regulatory burdens or hoops they may have to jump through. The Texas Medical Board, which oversees licensing for Texas physicians, says the average days for physician licensing through the traditional process was 26 days in the most recent fiscal year. But the compact speeds up the process and licenses can be issued in 10 days or sooner. To apply, doctors have to complete an online application, confirm eligibility, select a state of principal license or home state where they hold a license to practice medicine, which must be in a participating compact state, pay an application fee, and complete mandatory fingerprinting for a national criminal background check. 
Doctors who qualify will then receive a letter and they'll be able to select states where they want to get licensed. TMB says online that doctors themselves are responsible for making a self-determination of eligibility before applying. It's kind of a primer to them is, hey, before you start down this path and pay the money to the compact and start uh, you know, filling out the paperwork, make sure that you meet all those requirements. We're obviously going to double check that you do. How can you ensure that decisions are getting fully vetted if the process is expedited? So we go back, make sure they graduated from an accredited medical school, look at their residency, um, where they completed their residency, did they do the, the, um, the required amount of time for that um, postgraduate training, and then kind of the main thing we're looking at that's going to be different is going to be an updated criminal history check and also a check of make sure they didn't have any discipline from other states. So far, TMB says it's denied 35 applicants for reasons like already having a full physician license in Texas, wanting to withdraw their application, or it was a duplicate. How do you plan to measure the success of this compact? I think the success, a lot of it is looked at how, how much are people using the compact. And also, um, you know, hopefully not, but in the event that there is some type of disciplinary action for someone that is a compact licensee, you know, how smooth is that, that communication from us to other states and other states to us to make sure that everyone is doing what they're supposed to do as far as disciplinary action. Any investigation would be carried out by the medical board in the state where the patient who filed the complaint lives. Any disciplinary action taken would be shared with all compact states. Getting your license through the compact doesn't change what the standard of care is in Texas or any other state. All it is, it is that, that voluntary expedited pathway to get the license. Once you get the license, you are subject to each state's individual um, standard of care requirements and to be able to maintain the license and practice in that state. One limitation though, doctors licensed through the compact are the only ones who can treat patients, not any other medical staff at their office unless they too are licensed through the state. Another challenge the American Telemedicine Association sees. Doesn't automatically mean that a physician has access to every state that, you know, the, the more than uh, two, three dozen states that have adopted the compact. That It's not like a universal recognition by all those other states. You still have to go through the oftentimes time-consuming process uh, of getting a license in the individual state in question. I added Texas as soon as I saw that it was in the compact. You know, Texas is a big state for us. We see a lot of people through plant-based telehealth in Texas. Dr. Davis is now licensed in 13 states. She says Texas's process is more stringent. In Texas, they require that you take an exam. So that took a little bit extra time where I had to purchase some materials to study from, and then I had to purchase this exam to take. This can be a costly and time-consuming process for doctors. It costs $700 to apply, plus additional fees for each state where they want to be licensed. TMB data we obtained shows doctors from these five states have been issued the most Texas licenses, Colorado, Illinois, Arizona, Georgia, and Washington. The top specialties, family medicine, internal medicine, emergency medicine, psychiatry, and neurology. We asked the lawmaker who pushed for Texas to be part of this physician compact and pass legislation if any changes will be made this session. We're still waiting on a response. For State of Texas, I'm Arzo Dost. Thanks, Arzo. As we mentioned, we partnered with our sister station in Arkansas on that project. That state's weighing its own options for telehealth and joining the compact. You can explore the entire project online now. Just head to our website, 
Look for this story in the Texas politics section. Two Texas Republicans with different ideas on how to pass a border and immigration bill, what's causing the clash, and how it's shaping the search for solutions at the border. Two Texas Republicans in Congress are at odds over how to pass a border and immigration bill. Republican Chip Roy introduced a bill that he says will force the Biden administration to control the flow of immigrants at the southern border. Meanwhile, Republican Tony Gonzalez is calling Roy's bill anti-immigrant. Our Washington correspondent Anna Wernicke reports the dispute has some lawmakers worried that it will delay urgent help needed at the border. My district's on fire. Texas Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez represents the area, including more than a third of the U.S.-Mexico border. What is happening on the border right now, it's as bad as it's ever been. He and Texas Republican Congressman Chip Roy say Congress needs to address the border immediately. What is this side of the aisle doing about open borders? Nothing. Roy recently introduced a bill that would give the Secretary of Homeland Security the power to shut down border crossings until the U.S. is able to detain everyone crossing illegally. But Gonzalez says he opposes the bill, calling it anti-immigrant. These bills need to be uh, realistic. They need to be tangible things that are ultimately going to support uh, securing the border, not a messaging bill that is anti-immigrant or anti-Christian. Roy fired back this week, criticizing members of his own party for delaying border help. Will Republicans honor their campaign commitments to secure the border? Yes or no? Gonzalez tells me he has a plan and is working with Republicans and Democrats to pass a series of border bills this April. But Texas Republican Senator John Cornyn says House Republicans need to be united on a single bill for it to have any chance of passing both chambers. I've talked to both Congressman Roy and Congressman Gonzalez and I've asked them to try to work out their differences. The House needs to start and uh, because no bill that comes out of the Senate is going to pass the House. Anna Warnicke for State of Texas. Thanks again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Ryan Chandler. And I'm Monica Madden. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.